Good morning, everybody. Pastor and Sharon are enjoying a vacation in the Middle East. Uh, they were at, uh, at, uh, in Galilee just not too long ago there, and now they are heading down into Egypt. Uh, they're going to be seeing the pyramids today. Maybe they're there already, time change, uh, over there. And uh, I told Pastor to saddle up the Sphinx and give it a ride and take a picture and send it back to us. So we'll see if that happens. I think they still allow that, don't they? That thing runs fast, but you never know. Pastor could probably keep up with it. But uh, they're missed, but yet at the same time, we are happy that we sent them away. <laughs> oh, because here I am, and you're stuck with me. Um, so let's pray, and we'll get into the Word this morning. We're going to have a great time uh, letting Jesus be great like he always does and like he always is, and letting the Holy Spirit be brilliant like he always is, and letting the love of the Father be incredible, as it always is. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your presence here with us. We thank you, Lord God, Father, for the anointing that has come into this house. Father, your praise will ever be on our lips. Father, we are so, we are so grateful as a people for who you are and what you have done and where you have placed us, Lord God, in your kingdom as children, children of the living God. Father, as, as clean and righteous before you through the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you this morning that what you're going to do here, Father, is miraculous. It always is. Because, Father, that's who you are and what you do. And so, Father, the lives that are changed this morning, things that are done this morning, Father, as the kingdom moves in Peter, and, and he says, Peter, if you love me, and he says the word agape for love, and it's the God love. He says, Peter, if you love me, the God love me, he said, feed my sheep. And then he asked the question, do you love me more than these? And they had been out fishing, and there were seven of the disciples, and he said, do you love me more than these? If you love me, feed my sheep. And 
And I thought, you know, that's kind of, kind of putting him on the spot. And also, what is that saying to the, to the other disciples? Do you love me more than these? And then, but you have to go back to what he said. If they all deny you, I won't. And the Lord is giving Peter this amazing opportunity to bring that to a point of repentance that he said that. If you love me more than these, will you agape me? And Peter said, Lord, you know, I phileo you. Phileo is, we get the word Philadelphia from brotherly love, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And so God says, will you love me as God loves? And Peter says, you know, I love you like a brother. And so he asks him again. He says, Peter, do you agape me, God love? And Peter goes, Lord, you know. You know I Philadelphia love you. Phileo love you. I love you like a brother. And the Lord asks him for the third time, because how many times did he reject him? Three. And so the third time, Jesus asks Peter this question. Peter, do you, Phileo, Philadelphia, love me? And Peter says, yeah, I do. You know, and, and for the longest time, I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's, God had to reduce the love for Peter to come into agreement with it. But, but God wasn't saying that was a, you know, Peter wasn't offended at that. Peter was, he, God brought the situation to Peter. He said, I'll take you where you're at. If you can love me, the phileo kind of love and not the agape, I'll take you right there. I'll take you in that situation. I'll take you in that position. And I'll move forward with you from there. And we know what Peter moved forward into. And there's us here this morning that we're saying, God, here's the bar that you've set, and we recognize it. But I'm here. I'm not there. I want to be there, but I'm here. And God's saying, you know what? Perfect. I'll take you right there. You know, it's kind of like you don't have to take a, a shower to clean up before you clean up. I mean, God isn't saying, you, once you get here, you're acceptable in the beloved. Once you get here, he says, no, 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 right where you're at. Right where you're at. Grace is at work right where we're at. Grace is at work right where we're at. And grace, realize this, grace isn't the ability to do something wrong and not reap the consequence. That is not grace. A lot of times, oh, I hope the grace of God covers that for me. That's not grace. That's forgiveness. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God as we repent and, and, and change, God says, my blood works and forgives. But grace is an empowerment. Grace is the ability given from heaven to obey the word and to do what the truth demands of us. To do what the word demands of us. And, 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 and we try to use it in the, in the way of forgiveness. And God says, that's not it. No, you say, but by grace we're saved. Through faith. Right? 
God gives us the ability, the empowerment from heaven to use the measure of faith that we've been given to walk into this beautiful salvation, to ask Jesus to forgive us and to receive the empowerment to receive that beautiful restoration that comes through the blood of Christ. Grace, that empowerment. Carrie was sharing with me uh, this little uh, thing she had written written in her devotion that says, holy influence Grace is holy influence that keeps the soul. Now, the soul is the mind and the will and the emotion. And it's that heavenly empowerment that allows us uh, to to keep, protect the soul. To increase the soul. Increase the soul with what? Renewing our mind to the word of Christ. Our emotions and and, and walking in the will of, of God. And always allows the soul to walk in Christian virtues. We need grace for that. To understand uh, properly, or to understood properly, grace has the power to heal the soul. You've heard of, you know, that the, uh, there's a, you know, not only salvation for our, our, our spirit, our body, but also we need that for the soul as well. How we think. The will of God, the emotions that we, that we walk with, that God has given us. Our emotions need to come into line with the things of God. So with that, God's action, choosing and empowering people who deserve nothing, grace comes so that we can be faithful. I remember Pastor, you know, shared a little bit last, I think it was last week, but the time that we went to Rwanda. And uh, as, we, as we went, we really didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't realize the, the, the amount of killing, the amount of, of, of bloodshed and, and destruction. Humanity being so wicked and cruel to humanity. No idea that when we walked off the plane within a few minutes, there would be a 12-year-old with an AK-47 poking again into your stomach. Followed by a 14-year-old with an AK-47 doing the same thing. And, and over and over again, throughout the, the week and a half, we were there. But yet, as we were there, there was a grace. There was this empowerment from, the, from heaven, from the Holy Spirit, to walk in a confidence. And I remember thinking to myself, should we be afraid? But I'm not. We went about doing what the Lord had commissioned and called and saw huge success saw miracle after miracle, then if you want this Jesus who does these miracles to be your God, come front and by the hundreds and hundreds, people were being saved. And then we get to the airport. Well, before that even, the last night we were done, we get back to the room, we get all packed, and we're getting up at 3.30 in the morning to go to the airport. And about midnight, when I'm finally packed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep, right, for a few hours? I feel grace begin to lift. And I stood there, looking at the wall, praying, and beginning to weep. And feeling, ready for this, fear begin to enter for the first time. Feeling it. And I said, Lord, Lord, no, 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 you haven't given me a spirit of fear. Grace, I need you to be here for a few more hours. Then we get to the airport, and, and he shared, you know, the, the testimony where he went through, got the paperwork's all in order, and then I come up, and I'm standing there, and I hand him the paperwork, and the guy, he takes my paper, so I hand it to him, and he goes, 
your papers aren't in order. You can't go. I said, my papers are in order. You didn't even read them. They're in order. I can go. He didn't look at them. Your papers are not in order. You can't go. And all of a sudden, there's this boldness, this grace that came in. I said, my papers are in order. I can go. No, you can't. And he motioned for this little boy, comes over with the gun, pokes the gun in my stomach, and he racks the bolt. I said, my papers are in order. I can go. And he puts his hand out, the other hand. He wants a bribe. He wants a bribe. We'd gone all this time with people demanding money from us, never paid a dime in a bribe. <clears throat> I wasn't going to start right there. And finally, I said, my papers are in order. I can go. And he went, your papers are in order. You can go. Meanwhile, what you didn't realize is this long hallway that Pastor had gone. At the end of this hallway, you turned right to like go to where you know, you're getting, getting on the planes and stuff. And he's down at the other end. And all I can see is I look down there. The help I got was this. He's looking around the corner. And I can just see his head. That's all. Thanks, Pastor, for coming to my defense. I had something better. I had the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, would you? <clears throat> we'll get into the, some scripture here. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4. Um, I don't know why I brought two messages out here. must think I got a lot of time. The, uh, the writer of Hebrews is uh, talking about entering into the rest of God. And uh, the rest of God is not vacationing in the Caribbean. Well, for some of you here last week, a few weeks ago it was, right? Good job down there. It's, it's, not, it's not laying back, putting your feet up. The rest, of God, the rest of God actually is entering into the labor that is God, the labor that is Christ the labor that is the kingdom, the work that's the kingdom. But the reason we can enter in and call it a rest is because we don't, it's not by our flesh and blood, it's not by our might or power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And God empowers us to be effective and to be powerful. He said, he said, yoke with me. And, and here we hook up with Jesus and, and be, by that empowerment, we can do great things. But in verse 11, and I'm going to kind of, for sake of time, um, Skip a few verses in here, 11 and 12. We'll start there. Therefore, let us enter into that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing the part of soul and spirit. Now that's, uh, again, the soul and, and, and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, that's the flesh. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. So we're to enter into this, this co-labor with Christ so that we don't fall into unbelief, so that we can continue to pursue kingdom things. One of the biggest hindrances to believers is they quit doing. And they just rest on what they did last week, and that's good enough. And God says, I don't want you to stop. I can't have, afford to have you stop. You need to continue to push, continue to move, continue to work, continue to do. Because if you don't, you're going to get, I, I, I'll say it this way, you're going to get lazy when it comes to the things of God. And if you get lazy, all of a sudden you are not 
stretching. You're not using faith. You're not using the word. You're not in the word. You're not involved in prayer. Why? Because you're not facing obstacles, so to speak. And all of a sudden, you're falling backwards. And the Lord says, no, no, no. You need to continue in my work. You need to continue working with me and moving forward. That's your rest. He goes on in verse, uh, skip down to 16. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, this throne of empowerment. That's the throne of God. And we come boldly that we might obtain mercy. Why? Well, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And grace, it goes on, to help in time of need. Because God understands that our, our flesh can be weak, our flesh can be sinful, but yet God says, I don't care, Peter, if you don't agape me yet, I'll take you in the phileo. And we'll move forward from there. And God says, I want you to come into my throne room and receive empowerment from me right where you're at so that you can begin to be built up and move forward. And here's this opportunity that God's given us to freely come into his presence. And the first thing we receive in his presence, ready for this? Love. Love. When we walk in, we're not, boy, boy, you've fallen short. You've been, you know, you're not, you're not walking into the presence of God for a rejection. You're not walking into the presence of God with God, my hand is on the smite button. You know, you've heard that before. Um, you're not walking into the presence of God and expecting lightning to strike. When we walk into the presence of God, what we need to expect is the love of Christ enveloping us, the love of the Father, wrapping his arms around us. What we need to expect when we walk into the presence in the throne room of God is God pulling us up on his lap like we're his little child and just squeezing us and saying, oh, I love you. You're so cool. You're so awesome. Not that we're so perfect, but his love, what does love do? It covers a, ooh, thank you, Lord. So we're not deserving grace either. But settle this right now. You're guilty of sin. I'm guilty of sin. Right? Have we all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? We're guilty. Right? But Romans 3, 23 and 24, for all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin are, de- are excuse me, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We need to learn how to receive the forgiveness and the restoration of Christ as well as believers. You say, but but I feel so guilty. Let me just throw this out to you real quick. Guilt is not a feeling. It's a verdict. We like to say we feel guilty, but... It's a verdict. If you're guilty, it's because you have been, you've received a verdict of guilty. Okay? But it doesn't matter how you feel. I say this, accept your guilty verdict and repent on. And, and, and in doing that, accept the grace of God that's there to empower you to receive the blood of Christ that's redeemed you. We're going somewhere here, trust me. And I found more freedom in acknowledging the fact that I'm a sinner and fall short than ever trying to justify what I just did. Well, God, you know, it's it's the woman you gave me. Right, Carrie? I know I I never use that because for Carrie, it's the man that she got. But, you know, 
But grace releases us from the verdict and allows us to become productive in God's kingdom. That's what grace does. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that having denied ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live discreetly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That is a far cry from grace covering my failures. Instead, it's, God's, it's God in action, teaching us to say no to wrong choices, teaching us to say no to, to I've lived this way my whole life. I'm just going to continue to live this. It might be wrong, but you know what? Uh, no lightning from heaven. Nothing struck, struck me down, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm getting by. And God doesn't want that. God doesn't want us to get by. God didn't want to leave Peter at, a, at a phileo. Peter learned agape. And we see that not only in his writings, but in his action and how he eventually was crucified for the Lord. Yes to God will never work in our lives until the no to ourselves gets stronger. Then thank you, Lord. Until the no to ourselves gets strong enough, we'll never be able to say yes to God. I'll say it that way. But I don't want to do that. If the Lord is leading you that way, you need to do that. I don't want to go there. <clears throat> I, don't want to, I don't want to pray over the meal at Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> do it. Anyway, so here's a question I have for you. Are you squandering the grace of God in your life? Because realize this, we all have the grace of God in our life. We all have it. But what are you doing with it? I have a quick uh, scripture to, talk, to read to you, Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven, this is verse 1, Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven is likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps but took no oil with them. So here they have their, their, uh, their lamps and they, they, and they have their containers for oil. Five of them had uh, no oil. They didn't bring it. But the wise took their vessels, took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So five of them had vessels with oil in their lamps, and the other had no oil in their vessels for their lamps. And in verse, we'll skip down to verse 10 through 13. And while they went to buy, because it came time for the bridegroom to come, and they realized that their, their lamps have gone out, they have no oil, can, they said, give us oil out of your lamps, you five wise ones. And they said, we don't have enough. We got enough for us. Because realize this, you can't live on somebody else's grace. You, you can't, the empowerment from heaven is for you. You can't, you can't say, well, God's poured grace out on, on uh, Carrie, so Chuck is, is, is safe. It's not, that's not how it works. So here they are. They don't have oil. They go out to buy, and when they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. That's Jesus coming back. And they who were ready, who had the oil, went in with him. And it says a couple words later, and the door was shut. <clears throat> who are these girls? Virgins. I said, well, you think they're ladies. But uh, they were virgins. They were pure. They were clean. They were believers. But yet, they didn't take oil, extra oil with them. Door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, I do not know you. Hmm. 
Therefore, watch for you do not know when the Son of Man comes. That seems pretty harsh, right? Is it in the Bible? So we can trust that it's truth? We can. Let's, uh, let's uh, look at it. You know, they were all part of the wedding party. They were invited, but not all took advantage of the time of grace. I'll, get to, I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. They didn't take the t- advantage of the time of grace to be responsible, to be expectant, or to be prepared. And Jesus said, because of that, I don't know you. In, in Matthew 24, just a few verses ahead of this, we, we, we see the, uh, the story of the evil servant in verse 48. It says, but if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming, and he shall cut him apart and appoint his portion uh, and, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and in this point, the, like the virgins, the, the servant's failure came. He was a good servant until he, in, in, in the time of delay, he lost focus of what he was supposed to do and began to do what he wanted to do. He lost focus of, of the kingdom things or the, the, the works of the Father, and he began to, to I'll, I'll just do what I feel like doing. Or I'll do it my way instead of how God has ordained and set things to be done. So he forgot the reason grace was given and became self-indulgent. And he became, he became self-serving. And, and to, for the time, you could go back and read this and see how that port, you know, portions out in the Scripture. Then if you go back a little bit earlier in, Ma- in Matthew 22, uh, starting with verse 2, And Jesus answered, and spoke to them again in parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who made a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they would not come. Could you imagine? Here the king puts out an invitation. I want you all to come to the wedding. Nope, not going to. Again, he sent out his servants saying, tell those who are invited, behold, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and the fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come to the marriage. But not caring, they went their ways. Not caring about the king and his preparation and what was prepared for the people. They said, no, we'll be self-serving. We'll do our, we'll do our own thing. So they went their own ways. One to his field, another to his trading, and the rest took his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. Wow. But when the king heard, he was angry, and he sent out his armies to destroy the murderers, and he burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, now we're talking here, Matthew is, is, is talking and Jesus, uh, or is recording Jesus talking to the Jews, and we see that happen as the Jews rejected Jesus the call went out for the Gentiles. Yay, that's us. And he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they who were invited are not worthy. Therefore, go into the, uh, into the exits of the highways, and as many as you shall find, invite them to the marriage. You've been invited. Yay, here you are. So the servants went into the highways and gathered them together as many as they found, both good and bad. And the wedding was filled with reclining guests. That's me. Got my feet up. But still doing. And the king 
coming in to look over the guests. So here comes the king, and he's looking them all over. Uh-oh. He spots something. He saw a man there who did not have on the wedding garment. And he said to him, friend. Thank God for friend. Friend, how did you come in here without having a wedding garment on? And the friend was speechless. I don't know. They let me in. Then the king said to the servants, ready? Here's what is going to happen to the friend. Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. God, why do you always have to be so mean about things? I thought he was a friend. Those who were invited refused to come. Things were ready. But their stuff was more important than the kings. Who's the king of kings? Jesus. Who's most important? Jesus. Is, would we honestly and safely say that what Jesus wants to do is far more important than we, than we want? And what he prioritizes is far more important than, we want, than our priorities? I think we could say that. So they didn't come. So more were invited. They came. The church was full. Success. And a lot of churches look at success on a Sunday morning as the seats were full. Let's count. One, two, three, four, fifty-three. Good. Success for... It is. It would be success if one was here serving Jesus. It's not about numbers. Although it is, because God wants all saved. All to come to repentance. But here you would look at the wedding and you say, man, this that's a great job. It's full. Servants, way to get them all in. But there was one. The story isn't over. There was one that was noticed that didn't have the proper attire. But, friend, friend, sounds good. So why the terrible ending? Why the terrible ending for the friend? The king calls him friend and then binds him up and casts him into outer darkness. And by the way, that was hell. They, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's an eternal thing. Why? How come? Friend wasn't known by name. He couldn't say, hey, John. Hey, Ken. Steve, whoever. Christine. Jesus, the king knows you by name. And here's a guy without the right clothing being called friend. Why? John 10, 1 through 5 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but, claims, or but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, not friend, and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep, you know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? He knows your name. Just wanted you to know that. And when he's brought them out all his, or when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. How cruel of God. Can't we just come as we are? Yes, but not to the wedding. You come as you are. You can come in the agape love. But then, realize this, God is going, or in the, in the phileo, but God is going to bring you to the agape. You can come as you are, but yet the blood of Christ then that redeems you and washes you and cleanses you, brings you into this position of righteousness and holiness by grace. You know, what does the scripture say? By grace we're saved through faith, right? By the empowerment of God, we're saved through our faith that allows us to call in the name of Jesus to be saved. But then grace goes beyond that moment and empowers you to be obedient to the scripture and to continue to do. And here's this guy in the wedding feast without the right clothes. Let's get back to that real quick. How do you get the right clothes on? How do you get dressed with the wedding clothes? Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Turn to chapter 19. Let's look at verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen, ready for this, is the righteous works of the saints. Not just the works of the saints, the righteous works. How do we go about doing righteous works? How do we distinguish what's righteous from whatever it is we want to do? The kingdom operates by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? We worship by faith. We receive Jesus as Lord by faith. Prayers are answered by faith. Everything about the kingdom is faith. That's how God established it and designed it to work by faith. Faith by grace, the empowerment to do as the truth demands causes faith to produce. It takes operating the kingdom of, if, in faith by the empowerment of heaven, which is grace. And grace comes to accomplish those things that are ordained by God for us to do. How do we find those things? Here in the scriptures. I mean, we can have times of enjoyment where we, where we kind of just rest and relax a little bit. But we have to constantly be going, Lord, where am I going? What am I doing? What am I saying? Jesus said, I only do what I saw the Father do. Only. He only did. Did Jesus do a lot of things? But guess what? They were always inspired by the Father's actions. How about yours? Chuck, you're stepping on my toes. I know. Isn't that cool? Good thing I'm wearing soft tennis shoes today. If I had my hard-soled shoes on, it hurt a little harder. 
And God is saying, look, I, I, I need you to be about my rest. In other words, about my work. You can have some great ideas, but if it's not God-inspired and God-driven, first of all, it's not going to be works of righteousness, and it won't be empowered by heaven. And guess what's going to happen to every work you do that doesn't take faith and that doesn't take God? What would you say? It's going to burn up. Works that we do by the empowerment from heaven, birthed from obedience to the word of God, are going to go into this fire and come out refined and pure. And guess what? Every one of those things then are going to become a little jewel that you can put into a crown. And then at that moment, you could take your crown and lay it before the Lord and say, God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness, for your mercy. And guess what? Guess when you get to the point where you can quit doing the works of God? Oh, that's right, never. <laughs> but I've been doing it for 40 years. Can I retire? No, there's no retiring in the kingdom. Things may change, things may adjust, but you're still being about the works of faith, empowered by grace to accomplish the miraculous, to accomplish kingdom things. It, it, it's, it's awesome. And guess what? The pressure's off you. Why? Because Jesus said, yoke with me. Think about that oxen. Two of them coming together, and they get hooked together. There's a lead. There's one that's strong, that knows what he's doing, and there's one that's learning. And guess what? We are the learner. And Jesus is the one who knows what he's doing. And he said, yoke with me and learn. Yoke with me and learn. The Holy Spirit that's been given to lead us into all truth is in you. God, I really don't know how to do that. And the Holy Spirit goes, yeah, I've done it for thousands of years. Let me show you. Let me work with you. So hook up with Jesus. He's walking. Just follow what he's saying, what he's doing. And I'll, I'll teach you as we go. And the love of the Father, the love of the Father will cause the miraculous to take place. And the miraculous is kingdom things. We, you know, we look at, uh, he was dead and now he's alive. That's a miracle. And God goes, no, that's just kingdom. That's common here. And that's one of the things that we need to tap into. What is, I've got to be done. What is, what's common in the kingdom? That needs to be common here. It needs to be common for you. Not to the point where, where like, it's, you know, the, where it's like, yeah, lackadaisical. But it's what's expected. It's, it, it, it's what, knowing what God does and how God does, does it, it has to become what we just look right into, come right alongside, and add our agreement with God to do that and to do it that way. Jesus did what the Father did. He said what the Father said on purpose. Because what by doing that, and Jesus did it as a man, by doing that, that tells you this, so can you. Because you've been empowered and you've been equipped to walk on this earth the very same way Jesus was. He didn't have some special potion. You know, he didn't have the little ring, underdog ring where he popped it open. And, uh, thank God for the, the God moment here. It was a God moment, but it wasn't because he did anything as God on the earth. It was a God moment because he did it filled with the Holy Spirit, trusting the word of God, speaking out of his mouth the truth that is the word of God, and knowing that God responds to his word to perform it. 
And the miracles began to happen. And lives were changed. And Jesus demonstrated to us completely how we operate in grace. Is your lamp full? Good. It's not enough. You got to fill the container too. Is, is, are, are you clothed with the right clothing for the wedding? Good. Because you, if you are, you are using the empowerment of God to do works of righteousness. Not works. Works of righteousness. Works of God. Sometimes a work of righteousness is baking cookies and take them to your neighbor because they're having a rough moment and saying, I'm praying for you and I love you. Jesus is awesome. Sometimes it's that smile. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's, it's whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be, oh, you've, you've, you've lost the leg in the war. I'm going to pray for it, and God's going to grow it back. That's a work of righteousness. Don't get me wrong. However, it doesn't have to be that grandiose. But when he says, pray for that leg to come back, do it. <clears throat> Look for every opportunity. Whether you think it's little or small to God, it's huge and it's vital. Why? Because it's affecting somebody he loves with his own life. Literally. Jesus loved you with his own life. And he loves the person next to you with his own life. And so the empowerment has come so that you can love those people around you. Your husband, your wife, your children, grandchildren, on and on and on and on. Neighbors, co-workers with the same love that Jesus loved you with. Thanks, Bob. God's so good. Okay, I'm, i got to be done. So let grace transform you into a powerful, effective child of God, servant of God, servant to humanity. Amen? All right. So here's what we're going to do. Prayer team, why don't you come on up? There are a few of you here this morning. Good. Um, and we want to open the altar time for prayer. And some of you are at that point that you are like Peter at the phileo, not quite at the agape. And God, is, God said, that's okay. You're not, and, you, and you're well aware that, God, there's some stepping up that I need to do. I say it that way, but... but you, you know that you've fallen short. <clears throat> Why? Because the Holy Spirit's convicting you. The Holy Spirit's showing you that. We want to pray with you. There's no condemnation. The cool thing about Peter was God, this moment with Jesus was not condemnation. It was this beautiful moment of opportunity for restoration. And guess what happened? Restoration. Restoration. We want that for you as well because God wants you to be effective in the kingdom and fully clothed in the wedding garments, fully full of oil in your lamp and in your vessel. Why? Because he's got a lot of love to pour out. The love of Christ compels us. The love of the Father compels us. Know how much God loves you. Sometimes you, I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it to, know, to, to be able to know it. However... When you say, Father, would you demonstrate your love for me? Even though he's done it, I promise you a hug. You will get a Holy Ghost hug. Anybody ever done that? All of a sudden, you just, you go, oh, Lord's wrapped you up, and you're feeling it. 
If you need one of those this morning, we, we want to be part of that. We want to help you through that. So if you're here this morning and that's you, you can start making your way here. I, let me ask real quick, is there a word from the Lord from anybody for word of knowledge for healing? Ladies? Okay. So let's, let me pray over everybody. That's the call this morning. If you want prayer for anything, though, we want you to come up because I don't have a specific word for healing. I do for second service. Lord told me second service. So, Father, I thank you for this group of people. Father, that have come, Lord God, into your kingdom. Father, by the blood of Jesus, Father, the grace has empowered them to believe. Father, faith has been used, Lord God, and they are born again. And Father, they have come to that point, Lord Jesus, in their life that they say, Lord, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. And I want to be about kingdom things. I want to put aside the weight and the sin that easily besets me and run with patience the race set before me. I, want to, I don't want to coast. I want to be active. I want to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. I want to not be self-indulgent and self-serving with time, Lord God. I want to be about kingdom things. I know the, the time is short. The hour is short, Lord God. And, and there, there's a need, Father, for me to be about kingdom things. There's an urgency, Lord God, to be in your face and in your presence and praying and seeking you, Lord God, so that we could be not just hearers but doers of the word as well. And, Father, that we can be doers, Father, that have godly, righteous effects in our actions and our doing. Transforming lives, being about kingdom things, that the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father, as we look around and we see things are being done on earth that aren't heavenly um, inspired or heavenly driven, Father, we will be about change. We'll be about imposing change. But don't people have a free will? Absolutely they do. But I have a free will to impose the things of heaven on my circumstances and situations and to bring down heaven on behalf of people's lives so that they can come to a position and a point where they can choose and see righteousness clearly and make a decision for it. So I will. I'll not shrink back, Lord God, from speaking, praying, and doing what's in front of me to do based on the kingdom truths, what you have demonstrated, Jesus, and Father, what you've said and what you have done. Father, we love you with all our might, with all our heart. Father, we, I hope we can all say that we love you, agape love. And therefore, we can feed your sheep with that kind of effectiveness, Lord God. So if you're here this morning, though, and you're saying, I don't know that I can do that, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Come on up and, and receive that. So, Father, bless these people now as they go. Father, I thank you that you go with them. Thank you, Father, that this will be a week of great success, kingdom success, as they operate, Father, by empowered by heaven, the grace of God in action, Lord God, causing them and, and producing, Lord God, kingdom results in their lives and around them and through them. And, Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless.